Hello, it's a new month and a new edition of the CityWire Ratings Radar podcast. I'm Richard Lander. As May comes round in the calendar, it's time to revive the old investing adage that you should sell in May and go away. Uh, this is a selling embellished in the UK at least with the postscript that you should buy again on St. Ledger Day, a horse race traditionally held in September. Thankfully, our fund manager research team of Frank Talbot and Nisha Long have got better things to do than work out whether this advice works or not. They join me this week along with my co-host Angus Foote with Nisha looking shortly at the floating rate note sector. But first, Frank is going to tell us about UK equities, a somewhat perilous asset class for investors since the UK citizens decided in June 2016 to leave the European Union. So the question is, Frank, who's doing well and is this now the opportunity to to get in there? Uh, Yeah, so UK equities, as you quite rightly point out, one of the least loved investment areas on the planet following uh, the decision to leave the EU. Uh, It's been almost universally shunned, but because it's been so out of favour, it's cheap given the types of companies that you can access in it. It looks like the cat might be out of the bag, though. Uh, According to Rob Arnott, founder of Research Affiliates, he said it might well be the trade of the decade. And that's quite a statement. Uh, But the IMF is also joining this and it's said that it's predicting the UK economy will outpace Europe this year and next with growth rates of 5.3% this and 4.5% in 2022. Uh, Nevertheless, despite this, uh, the FTSE 100 is still well down from its pre-pandemic peak. And it's pretty much alone in the developed world in that respect. So kudos to us. Much of that, though, is is due to the composition of the market with a heavy weighting to financials, materials and energy companies. Uh, The good news for investors, though, who've been in it for that time is that UK oil companies is actually one of the best sectors for outperformance found anywhere. And they did well when markets were coming off the rails in February and March last year, you know, primarily because they were broadly underexposed to those areas that were hit hardest. Uh, but so much so that 72% of managers have outperformed the FTSE All Share over three years to the end of March. That is a big number. You don't see that often. Um, but this is a, it's a quality sector with quality managers. The first fund I want to highlight is the Premier Mighton UK Growth Fund, run by AAA-rated duo of John Hudson and Benji Dawes. Uh, They are two young managers, or at least I think they're young. I've got to that crazy time in my life where portfolio managers have started to look younger than I am. I recently had that with doctors and now it's hit me with with fund managers. Anyway, I digress. However old they are, they seem to be pretty good at their job. uh, And they came in at AAA rating at the first time of asking last year and haven't dropped a rating since. They run an all cap fund and it really is an all cap fund. In the top 10, you've got two large caps, four mid caps and four small caps. Uh, As I said, they've done very well over the past three years. They've returned 58%. Not afraid to take risks. Uh, They recently added Tiny Build as their largest position. It is a US-based, London-listed, small-cap video games developer that IPO'd in early March and has gone straight in as their top position. Uh, Elsewhere, you've got... um, Boohoo, the fast fashion brand that's been accused of uh, all kinds of exploitation of of its workers. Uh, In addition to that, you've got stuff like Legal in General uh, and Purple Bricks. And if you wear Purple Bricks, the house, peer-to-peer house buying, selling uh, service. Big Uh, favourite of Neil Woodford. Right. (laughs) Let's say about that. Let's move on. The the better. 
for those of you looking for something a bit more ESG-centric, they do run an ethical variant that does exclude the likes of Boohoo from, from the mix. Um, a less fresh-faced manager, also doing well recently, is double-A-rated Edward Leggett of Artemis. Edward Leggett, formerly of Standard Life until 2015, uh, very highly regarded at that during his time there. Hasn't been quite as impressive since, uh, but really may have turned a corner. Over the year to end of March, he has returned 72%. Uh, looking down some of the positions, he was betting big on betting. He had both Entain, which was formerly known as GVC Holdings, which is up 171% in the past year, and 888 Holdings, uh, which is another gambling site, up 236%. Other key stocks doing well for him, he's got Melrose Industries, he's got Barclays. Barclays, believe it or not, is up 100% over the past year as people really plough into the value rally. Also picked up Jet2 Holidays, package holiday provider. Again, that's done pretty well. I picked it up in June. It's done well since. So you buy UK, it's it's a value play to begin with. Uh, but some of these fund managers have done pretty well already. And, uh, you know, it's certainly been that place that no one outside of the UK has wanted to invest in. You don't want the currency risk. You don't, you don't want the risk of what's going to work out with what's going to happen with Brexit. There's still a lot of uncertainty as to how we come out of this. But certainly the vaccine rollout has been impressive. But markets look like they might have woken up to that. As I said, below pre-pandemic peak. Right. So it really, you know, this is the case for active management, isn't it? Here, Go off beast. Uh, have, you know, the FTSE 100, as you say, is full of stodgy financial companies and, and uh miners and oils so it's, it's getting away from that that's that's the key to, to good management here i guess i've got a question for you frank I, one of the things that interests me my audience my audience is uh, is largely international so people are you know working across europe across borders around the world really and they tend to think of uk equities or rather in the past they classified us equities in with european equities so you know you had the phenomenon of europe x uk funds uh, being sold in Europe, but not else. Uh, sorry, being sold in the UK, but not elsewhere in Europe. So, uh, I, I just wonder how you think that affects the future of this segment, because if European investors or international investors start treating the UK equity fund sector uh, as a separate uh, sort of entity in its own right to be looked at in a way they perhaps didn't before when they classified it as being part of Europe. Um, you know, what are the implications there for flows? But also, it seems to me you create a bigger disparity, perhaps, between large and small caps, because large caps in the FTSE are, you know, BP, you know, HSBC companies, or HSBCs, Asia listed. But, I mean, companies that are effectively international, they happen to have a London listing. Whereas when you get down to things like Purple Bricks, that's very much a UK company. So I, I just wonder whether you see disparities emerging there. I think the good news is if that uh, Europeans do want to allocate to UK equities, then because you know UK has historically been such a source of finance, it does have that fund manager talent, and these are domestic fund managers who will be able to pick the domestic companies that will do well. It is you know comfortably the largest equity market in Europe, and that does do, does mean that if you know if you open your eyes to the possibility that, that it's going to do well and it is going to recover. Then it, it's 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 a it's if you're excluding it, then uh, that could be a huge error. 
And uh, as a result, you know, if you talk about broad European equity funds, if they're not based in the UK, they're, they're probably going to be underweight or negligible allocation to UK at all. But it's, you know, is it 35, 40% of the European equity market? So, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's certainly worth a look. We've lagged for a long, long time. And um, even if there's the possibility that UK gets, gets back on its feet and the UK economy does well, Boris Johnson's push for a greener economy, you know, actually translates into job creation and, and you know, the stock market performance that, that might come with that, then it's, it's, it's a big deal. That all makes sense. I mean, so I guess I guess the the outcome of all that is that UK equity funds could actually be sold in 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 volume outside of the UK in a way perhaps they weren't before. I'm sure there are many asset managers would be very happy to hear that. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I read somewhere that the UK market was now down to something like four percent of uh, world developed market capitalization. Uh, uh, Europe as a whole has shrunk as well from about 30 to 17%. So, you know, you just look at the potential there. If it goes up from 4% to 5%, that is a 25% increase. Uh, And, you know, whatever we think of the UK economy and the government that's running it, there are a lot of interesting companies here. As Frank says, it's comfortably the largest market in uh, in Europe, uh, dwarfed by the states, of course, and there's some, you know, so whether it's betting companies, there's some financial technology companies as well. There is a vast array of of companies on offer there. So you, you know, these talented managers are spoilt for choice. Uh, and what I've noticed is, and I don't know if there's a reference to the two funds you've focused on, Frank, that quite a lot of them are going for, you know, you know they call dynamic sort of concentrated funds of 40 to 50 stocks so if they get the right stocks they're getting a lot of bang for their buck uh anyway uh i think that's the uk uh done for the time being so nisha something completely different floating rate notes quite an arcane part of the market but tell us about them Yeah, it's completely different from um, what we were just talking about, well, the UK equities. Um, So floating rate notes, um, these are your debt instruments um, which have a variable interest rate. And the reason I want to talk about it is because not many people know about this sector um, and there are quite a few advantages to allocating some capital towards here. So um, the basis is that the coupon rate on these floating rate notes has a floating component, um, which is based on some reference rates, such as the Fed's rate or the LIBOR, which is now going to be a SONIA, and a spread component, which represents the credit risk of the issuers that you're buying into. So they do appeal to investors because they can benefit from higher interest rates, um, since the rate on the floater adjusts period- periodically. Um, to current market rates. So in the flux that we're in now, are rates going to rise? Are they not? You know, this is, you know, your in-between where you can still have some capital and income gains um, from these floating rate notes. Um, And demand does peak when interest rates um, hikes look likely. And we may see that at the end of, you know, this year going into 2022. And so now is the time to really start looking at these um, floating rate notes um, bond sectors and managers just to get some uh, a feeling of you know where investors should allocate now just to give you a few advantages of going in here it does put your cash to work and I say that because a lot of money has been 
going into money markets, especially when we had the COVID crash, a lot of money was going into a parked into money markets where you do get some kind of yield, but not the kind of yields that you can get with floating rate notes. And you're not taking as much risk either. And you can get lower duration. So there's less interest rate sensitivity, which quite a lot of managers are looking for at the moment. And it hedges you against interest rate risks as well. Um, so there are a lot of potential um, in this area. Um, and US investors actually have seen the advantages already in this. So um, this sector actually comes under bank loans um, in the US and the sector's taken in um, 4.1 billion in March alone in US dollars and almost 10 billion over the first quarter. And this is just in active funds. So for the US to be going into active funds like this, you know, there's a lot of money, you know, going in. And there has been a tick, you know, uptick in Europe. So where US goes, the Euro Europe usually follows. Um, so it's not the same amount of money going in, but it's getting there. So I think now's the time to start, you know, looking at the managers. So um, the managers I want to highlight, which I think, you know, they're worth a look, are um, AA rated John Blaney, Paul Gillen and Kevin Booth. They manage the Victory Floating Rate Fund. Now, this is a US dollar massage fund, which has returned 16% over the last three years and 25% over the last year, for which you may agree it is quite a lot for a bond fund to be returning that. That is with the income reinvested. Um, and what they've done is, as many other investors have done, they're seeking out companies that can capitalize now on the reopening of economies that we're seeing. So they are adding to um, travel, retail, autos and energy. So they've look, they're looking at companies that can benefit from um, various countries reopening. And um, they also have allocated quite a bit to high yield as well in floating rate, um, which has including um, Delta Airlines. There's also anchor packaging in there. But um, the fact that they've gone more into high yield component because floating rate notes can be seen more of an investment grade than high yield. But you can see even in this sector, you have to start looking elsewhere for yield um, in this type of sector. Um, but another manager, well, plus rated Paul Mersuro. Now, this would be more for European investors as well as US investors. And they've taken in 1.1 billion on the T row price floating rate fund. So plus rated Paul Masuro, and he's returned 17% over the past year. And over the last three years, 12%. So not as well as the first managers I've met. Um, but, you know, the managers who are scooping up the money here is the T. Rowe Price floating rate note in this sector. So it, it, he is worth a look, um, especially for European investors, if um, you want to go there. And as with all funds that we're seeing at the moment, there are ESG versions of floating rate notes. Um, so DWS, for example, their fund was very popular floating rate note. Um, you know, a couple of years back, they did lose a lot of money last year, but now they're coming back into positive territory again. And they have recently launched an ESG version of this fund. So if you want to go more into the environmental social governance side, you know, there's funds also You've got in the option. sector. You've definitely got the option. My question is, why would companies now start issuing these things if, if we're on an upward cycle in the interest rate? Yeah, I mean, that's where these come into, you know, the advantages, the investors who want to, obviously the issuers, they're not going to really, you know, get much out of this. It's the actual issuers, but um, 
they can sell it on the secondary market. I think that's where it all comes into for, especially with bonds as well. Is the primary issue is you that you're stuck with that, but in the secondary market you can really start getting the gains. And if you are in the active management side, this is what they do. This is what the managers do. They buy, you know, these at you know different periods of time, you know, on your tenure, but they buy it when it's got five years left, for example, and you are getting still the coupons that you would have got, say, five years ago, etc. You know, so you're still getting some kind of up kick from the coupons reinvested. And because at the moment, you know, with some bonds in negative yield, you're not really getting that kicker on just investing. You need that extra. And that's why I think secondary market and this is where these kind of funds, you know, can play their part. Nisha, how, how wide is the disparity here between the sort of the good and the bad managers in this sector? Because it, it feels to me it's something that if essentially it's a, a call around the direction of interest rates and the speed of the direction of interest rates, it's an allocation call, really. So, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I'd be thinking perhaps ETF. No, absolutely. Because at the moment, so in the sector, bonds, floating rate notes, sector, you do have a mixture of global, US, Europe. So where you think the interest rate is going higher. So the US is the call, I would say now, for now, you're going into that. Six months down the line, you'd want to maybe be in Europe, you know, so or a mm. global application. So you have that. So it's sectoral. But it, yeah, absolutely. So it's geographical. But would I, you know, if I was, sorry, I was, if, I was no. a, if I was a funds fund manager selection professional, would I gain a lot from selecting the better managers in this sector over the average or or, or the the mediocre managers? Um, You would want to pick the top managers in this sector because that's where you're going to get your kicker. And as you did mention before, there are ETFs which do, you know, a brilliant job at the same time and can, well, as you know, are cheaper to allocate to. But even within that, you need to be careful of where the allocations are going. So is it your, you know, majority in the US, is it in Europe? So if you want to invest now, you'd want more of a US allocation and rather than going into more of a European one. And uh, one I have looked into is iShares floating rate um, bond ETF, which is, you know, a go-to place for the US one. But if you're more the European side, you know, Lixor has a great ETF there as well. So if you're looking for just a short-term gain in this sector, you know, maybe that's perhaps that is the easiest way to go in trade in and out of that yeah yep so fixed interest without the interest being fixed i think you could describe it absolutely yep (laughs) lovely uh so thank you very much frank nisha and angus and of course to alan for producing this frank your baby was immaculately behaved during the broadcast she always is there she is there she is (laughs) perfect timing That girl has got a future in front of her. Uh, And we leave you and we hope uh, that you'll join us again for the next episode of the Ratings Radar podcast.